0: Welcome to the Same But Different podcast, a show that celebrates humanity, the ways we love others, the ways we keep love from coming in. We're going to dig deep. This show brings a dash of vulgarity and a whole lot of audacity to the Enneagram. If you're looking to know yourself on a deeper level, nurture healthier relationships, foster richer connections, and improve communication to make that happen, then you're in the right place, my friend. Hi, I'm your host, Amy, Enneagram alchemist and a fiercely supportive sister stepping in stride beside you. Are you ready to feel fucking seen? Are you ready to see others? Because I'm ready to ask those questions. The very things we're trying to avoid are exactly what we need to embrace in order to grow. So kick back, take off your bra, get comfy, and let's fucking do this. Hi friends, welcome back to the Same But Different podcast. I have been wanting to do this concept on the podcast since I've started, I've wanted to really take it from more of like a content to a conversation concept. I've just had so many different ideas about how to roll this concept out, how to make it perfect. And the, just the other day I was like, this is so fucking ridiculous, I need to get this done. Instead of worrying about how to do it, let's just do it. So did a little poll in my Instagram story as one does and just introduced the concept of Ask Amy, kind of a, a play on of the old school Ask Abby advice column, but wanted to make it the Enneagram and opened it up to anything in life that we could tie the Enneagram to. So I've got, I don't know, 10 or 15 questions to start us going. And we'll just see how this goes. I want to get some feedback to see if you all enjoy this kind of material. Um, I really like this. It helps me feel a little bit more connected to you all. And these are real life questions. So I have to think that if people are out here asking these questions, that there's probably more people out there searching for the same answers. So we'll see if that proves to be true. All right, let's kick it off with, I've got a question from a type five and it says, I'm a five and very rarely meet other fives. Are they less common? Um, I don't know what types are considered more common than others. Now I will say I've read in multiple places that there's more type sixes than any other type. I have no idea if that's conclusive, not a clue. So I don't know if there are types that are more common or less common. I will say that fives probably (laughs) <laughs> don't want to be met. Um, they are very much a people who kind of prefer to be with themselves. So type fives defense mechanism is isolation. And so they are a head type and they really do live in their minds. I've, I've heard a lot of fives say that they are just a walking head or just a walking brain. They can be a little disconnected from their bodies because they are in their head so much. And they really, really, really like to be with themselves. When they are with themselves, they can go back and right. They can really reserve that energy. They're not having to expand a lot of energy with other people and they can really reserve that for whatever it is they're wanting to do, which is likely be in their minds. So are fives rare? I'm not sure. Is it's not surprising to me whatsoever that you're not meeting a lot of them, though. I think that is it's by design. Okay, the next three questions in a row came from a type two. So these are all questions around a two. So would love to help knowing how to identify and turn around when I'm going toward unhealth. So every type takes on a different types, lower traits when they are in a place of stress. So what that looks like as a two, so as I'm also a two, so twos go to eight in stress. So what that looks like is when twos have ran out of all of their type two resources, right? They're just, they're, they're starting to get towards the barrel. I'm sorry, the bottom of the barrel of the resources. Okay. How do I help myself? How do I help myself? I'm getting stressed. I can't find what I need. When they've run out of their two resources, that's when they're going to dip low into the type eight resources. So how that can look is being confrontational, being aggressive, that can look like, and I'm speaking for myself here when I say the word explosive, um, that can look a little demanding, a little controlling. Have I said controlling? It can look a little controlling. Um, can really double down on manipulating people, but in a big way. Um, that can look like a two going from a yes person to a fuck no person. <laughs> that can look like a how can I help you to a fuck around and find out. And that's really how that can look sometimes for twos. So all of that to say how does that look for you how do you notice yourself when you are taking on those type 8 traits whatever they look like for you we're all going to look different so everything i just said might not be 100 percent applicable to every twos i don't speak for every every person in this world but start with the noticing that might look like looking back to past um, situations where maybe you noticed yourself picking up some of those traits that I just mentioned. Um, and then also paying attention moving forward. I will say as a, to myself that my line to eight happens very quickly. Like, I mean, like, like a snap, it's just, it's lightning quick and it can take a lot of work to kind of pause, but what you want to really do if you can is pause in that moment, allow yourself to feel that feeling and really ask yourself, what is happening here? What do I need? A lot of times for two, there's going to be some resentment built up underneath that anger. There's going to be unmet needs built up, unmet, um, or unspoken words, unspoken conversations, things you have shoved down, parts of yourself you have bypassed. So in those moments, I would say if you can pause, allow yourself to feel the feelings, and then ask yourself, what do I need right now? Or if you're looking back, what did I need in that moment or what would have helped me turn around towards myself in that moment? Um, the next question for two says, why do I care so much what others think of me? Oh, it's such a hard one. It's such a hard one. So every type has a core motivation, that thing in life that we are always chasing. And it's, it can also be our driver in life. And when we are really unaware, it can kind of take over in an autopilot kind of way. So twos, threes, and fours are the heart triad, the emotional triad, the feelings triad. We are also identity types. Now our identity shows up and I mean, no matter who you are, your identity shows up in a different way, but um, being tied to your identity really shows up for twos, threes, and fours. And the way it shows up for twos is their core motivation is wanting to be loved, wanting to be needed. So, if you're not a two and you're sitting out there and you're thinking, well, why would I fucking care what someone thinks about me? Well, if you are hardwired to care, to want people to love you, to want people to want you, it makes perfect sense that you would also care what they think about you. I will say that this noticing is going to apply. All throughout life right that noticing i just mentioned when you're talking about going towards that line of eight with two if you find yourself in a place where you're really really thinking about what do others think of me what will others think of this i want to offer Again, that pause and allow yourself to still go there, right? I'm not saying just stop thinking like that. That's toxic positivity and not how fucking inner work ever works. If it was, we wouldn't need the Enneagram or psychiatrists or therapists, or we wouldn't need anyone if we could just turn it off with a thought. But if you can allow yourself in that moment to maybe instead, not instead, to then say, okay, I'm noticing right now that I am kind of tied into what others might think of me interrupt that, or maybe add to that. What do I think of me? What do I think of this? What is my opinion? So we're kind of doing two things there. We're kind of honoring this pattern that really doesn't serve us, but has always been there, right? This pattern of what do others think of me? We're going to honor that. Then we're also going to shift into a higher place of thinking, but wait, what about me? How do I put me first? A lot of type twos work is feeling selfish um truly so if you are in a place where you are feeling selfish that is a good thing and when you are really tied into what others are thinking about you it's unlikely you're going to feel selfish so i would offer in any way that might feel good to you kind of leaning away from others opinions and more into what do i think the third one from this type two says people pleasing is so much a part of me how do i break out of that in a healthy way oh my friend therapy. (laughs) At least that's what I'm doing. And I I also want to say that I know therapy is not accessible to everyone. Um, I'm going to find some therapist-recommended books that I will put in the show notes around people-pleasing. I know there's going to be a lot of resources out there around books. There's going to be blogs. You can find all sorts of things on the internet. But people-pleasing, what I learned in therapy is that I've done it my whole life, that it has such a chokehold on me and it shows up in more areas than i would ever want i don't want it to show up anywhere but i am really realizing how deep people pleasing can run um and if it wasn't for therapy i don't know that i would have any other way to really unpack that and really deconstruct that, understand where it came from and work on it. So if therapy is a possibility, I would highly recommend that. Um, Similar to the question before, what what do others think of me? People pleasing is when you are so tied into serving others. And when you are serving others, you are dismissing yourself. It is always a bypassing of self to serve others and people please. So that selfishness is going to come into play here as well. Um, But I also want to say that people pleasing can also be really unconscious. I am just now discovering I have done it for 40 years. I thought it was maybe a newer thing in my life. I thought that it really only showed up in certain aspects of my life. No, I am discovering it is from my childhood and it has been everywhere. So I also want to offer to give yourself some a little bit of grace and compassion here as this is a really hard one. It's not something we can just turn off overnight if if only. Um, And it's really, really, really hard. So I just want to offer that I know it's really fucking hard work. Okay, the next one is how to navigate a two and six in a relationship. These questions are so interesting to me. There's no context here, right? So when someone says like, how does a one and a seven or whoever, in this case, a two and a six, the only things that tells me about these people are some of their unconscious patterns, right? The patterns that can unconsciously show up. So I know that for a two, their core motivation is being loved, being wanted. I know their core fear is rejection. A type six they're chasing safety. They're chasing that support and their core fear is actually fear itself so we're going to double down twos and sixes are both um compliant or dutiful types they really love to care for their people this is a head type and a heart type so there is definitely some room there for balance in our centers right our centers of intelligence as far as head heart and body um Twos can really help sixes kind of calm those minds and be there for them in a really supportive way. And sixes can really help twos um, find their voice and speak their truth and stand in who they are, but in all relationships, right? This is what I'm about to say goes for all relationships, honesty, open communication, awareness, making space and honoring each other's differences, right? When you have a head type and a heart type, you have one type that's really emotional. You might have, I'm sorry, I should say, you might have one type, Okay. okay. In this situation, you're going to have a type that's pretty emotional on the two side, and then you're going to have a type on the six side that's more logical. Now that's not to say the two isn't logical and the six isn't emotional. I'm not putting people in boxes here by any means. I'm just saying there's room for balance there, right? But there's also a lot of room for imbalance if people are really overusing their type structure. So open conversation, knowing that sixes probably need twos and sixes, probably need a lot of reassurance in relationships. Maybe in the beginning a six needs more reassurance, trusting a two can offer that. I do wanna say I could see some room here for codependency, knowing that um, both types could really use, I'm sorry, could really lean towards wanting reassurances in their relationships. So best of luck to a two and six. I think that's a beautiful pairing. Okay, how to go on a date with a self-preservation five. So again, this is only telling me very little about a person, right? I don't know anything about them as as an actual human outside of just their Enneagram type. But I also think this is one of the beautiful things about the Enneagram is you kind of have, I don't want to say a cheat sheet, but like a little peek into this person's like potential traits, right? So what do we know about fives, especially self-preservation fives? fives are very, very, they're private people. Um, I've seen a meme before about type fives that said something like, yeah, we were friends for 40 years. I barely knew the guy. And it was joking about fives. So, I want to say that we going into it, we know that fives are private, especially those self-preservation fives, those SP fives, it's going to be really important for them to feel protected by the walls they have built. I'm pretty sure castle is the the little name for self-pres fives. These are going to be the masters, the masters of setting boundaries, and they're really going to like their space. And one of the beautiful things about someone who is a master at boundaries is they're also going to be a master at respecting your boundaries. Um, so going into this, you know, that this person is going to have some set boundaries, you know, they might, there's potential. They could have had some walls built up just to protect them throughout life. We know that they're private all of that to say it might take some time to get to know them i know some relationships can move really quickly and that's not to say it it would or wouldn't based on someone being a certain enneagram type but with a self pres 5 i would go into it with the knowledge that it might take a little longer to get um as close with this person as you might hope up front and maybe that's just me a sexual two wanting to get in and know someone so intimately so quickly this would tell me okay this is going to take some time. I want to honor this person as they are and who they are. And knowing that it's going to take them a little more time to really maybe fully show up in this relationship. So best of luck on that date. Shoot me a message. I want to know how it went. All right. Next question was from a three that I love very much. And they asked, why can't I stop being hyper-focused on others' opinions of my success and failure?" very similar to the type two who said, why do I care so much what others think of me? It's essentially asking the same question, right? Just in a little bit of a different way. Um, uh, And those questions are very specific to their types. So whereas type twos are trying to gain people's love threes are trying to gain people's admiration. So their core, what they're running towards is success. That's their core um, motive. Well, I don't want to say just success is their core motivation, but being seen as successful, this image of successful. So if your core motivation is success, that also tells you that your core fear is failing. All of that to say, it makes perfect sense why someone would be as a three hyper focused on the opinions of others, the success of others, I'm sorry, their own success or the perceived failure similar to the two or any type that is quote unquote hyper-focused just to use their words. Um, this is a three being hyper-focused on their core motivation. So what's that te- what that is telling me is that that type structure is kind of in autopilot, right? It's that, which means that this particular human is a little bit in their unaware space. That threeness has kind of kicked in and it's taking over kind of on overdrive instead of this person having a little bit of agency and saying, wait, Who am I outside of my success? What is failure to me? Who am I outside of what I do? Why do other people's opinions matter? And something I like to do whenever I am kind of hyper-focused on something like this is I continue to ask myself the question, why? So why can't I stop thinking about success? I'm going to answer that question, right? Okay, because success really matters to me. Okay, why does success really matter to you? Well, because it, I'm just spitballing here. It proves that I've worked really hard. Well, why is it important to you that it seems as though you've worked really hard? Well, if I've if I've worked really hard, the people know I gave it my all. Well, why is it important that people think you gave it your all? Well, because then I know I did my best. Well, why is it important that people think you did your best? Well, because I want them to think I'm the best. Why is that important? Do you see what I mean? Like, If you keep going, more and more of you can come up throughout that questioning. It's not always gonna be applicable, it might not always work, Um, but a lot of times if I find myself really stuck in a thinking pattern that I can't break from, I try and step away from it and just ask myself, why? Probably about seven to eight times. I just keep going with that thought process. But I wanna say that threes are also identity types, two, twos, threes, and fours. And I would say threes more than any other type are very much tied into their identity. It, is, it can be very hard and challenging to shift away from that when you really want the image of success. I think what could be really helpful you defining openly defining writing it down like really having a brainstorm session on it what does success mean to you does this mean a perfect score does this mean um on a test does this mean how this looks at work how can you take it from that and make it a little more granular how did i feel whenever i succeeded Right? Let's make it a little bit more about the heart space a little bit. Threes tend to push down the emotions. That way they can get on to working, right? Get on to doing, get on to succeeding. If we can make a little more space for the emotional piece to come in there, right? What do I think of my success? What do I think of the opinion of myself? What is my opinion about this? Let's also define what failing means. So I just want to say that it makes a lot of sense, again, that you would be tied into this. Your biggest work as a three is going to be shifting away from your identity. Who is, I almost said your name, who is this person outside of what they do? And I think your answer is going to live within there, my friend. Text me anytime. Okay. Next question is from a type four. It says, because I go to two and stress, is it typical dislike slash distrust other twos. So I want to say type twos don't come from me here. Twos can come across as inauthentic. They can twos and threes can come across as a little inauthentic because we are so tied into the image of wanting to be loved and or admired if you're a three um fours are also image types but fours' image is more so i want to be free to be whoever i am at any given moment so they're not trying to earn people's love it's deeply important for a four to have the autonomy to stand on their truth so it makes a lot of sense to me that a two could potentially trigger that because twos, we're not always standing in our truth. It's, um, again, I want to be careful here to not speak about every type two in this world as though I could ever speak on that many people's lives. But in a in a generalized way here, if a two hasn't done their work, if they're really unaware, if they're in a place of stress, it's unlikely they are standing in their truth. And you as a four are hyper aware of when someone is and isn't being their authentic selves. It's like a radar that fours have. There's like this bullshit radar. And you can't you can't get past the type four bullshit radar. Um, they really have this feeling and this knowing for when someone is and isn't really who they are. And as twos, we can kind of shift a little bit, again, when unaware um twos can shift to fit other people in order to kind of gain that love so you having a line to two i would hope would maybe give you a little bit of compassion of what that could feel like for a two in that less aware space um because when fours are stressed they take on the lower traits of type two so for four it's like a doubling down in the heart space when they go to stress so just maybe a little offer for compassion when you are in that space, know that that can be what it feels like for a two um, more often than you might realize. Okay. This next question is one of my absolute favorites. It says, I'm an eight. I'm a woman and my boyfriend is a nine. Do you think our relationship can work and what can we do to make it work better? This has to be one of the most common pairings. I would go as far as to say it probably is one. I feel like two and eight and eight and nine. Now, this is based off my personal experience. That didn't come from a book or any kind of research or any kind of conclusive research. So no quoting me on that shit. But I know so many eights and nines. And in my last three, four years of Enneagram work, I have constantly reading about this pairing. And it makes perfect sense to me, right? When you think about an eight that is pretty confident, really forward, no problem saying no, no problem stepping into conflict. Then you have a nine. Um, I like to say that nines would like to be a a rockless river, this really chill environment. They're not a no person. They're pretty much a go with the flow kind of person. Um, They avoid conflict. Wouldn't it make sense that someone like that would be really attracted to the opposite end? of their personality, where an eight's gonna come in and God, I don't have to make the decisions, they can make the decisions. I don't have to step into conflict, they are gonna step into conflict. So can this relationship work? Of course, there's not any pairing of the Enneagram that can't work, these are just humans. It's really going to be about awareness here. Now, I wanna say, in a lot of the eight, nine relationships that I know personally, that I have worked with, and that I have just heard about, And that I have read about, I want to say it can be really easy for that eight to take over the relationship because the nine is so unlikely to really, really push for themselves and to really speak up. And that might just be because they don't know. Nines really can be disconnected from themselves. So if you ask a nine, like, where do you want to go to dinner? They're very likely to say wherever you want to go or I don't care or wherever anyone else wants to go. And it's truly because they might not have a preference. Now, they're likely going to be able to tell you where they don't want to go. But if it's what do you want? Nines very much are going to go along with the group. So as an eight, I would offer to be hyper aware of that because as an eight, you do know what you want, right? You have no problem making the choices. You have no problem stepping into conflict. But because of that, it can mean that the relationship can eventually become really imbalanced to where it's just the eight on overdrive, taking over, making all the choices, potentially not considering what the nine wants. Um, I do wanna say that I think it would be really beautiful to have an open conversation about conflict because what conflict feels like to a nine is very unlikely to be what an eight actually considers conflict. Um, Anything, right? Even, like I just said, even a nine speaking up in front of a group and saying, this is where I want to go to dinner, could potentially feel like conflict to a nine. Because what if someone doesn't agree? What if someone else doesn't want to go? As an eight, do you care (laughs) that someone else might might not want to go where you want to go to eat? probably right it's probably not going to bother you you might care i don't mean to say y'all don't care but it's not going to bother you that's not going to feel like conflict to an eight an eight would just shift okay well then where do we go to a nine that could feel like conflict what are they going to think of me is that going to break the connection it so just being really mindful of that um as an eight i would say be the advocate for your nine i don't mean hold them with white gloves they are not. They are, I consider nines to be one of the most powerful types. Um, I love them. I love them. And it's not that they need babying or hand holding. but as an eight, you have this beautiful gift of empowerment and there's no, nothing in this world more beautiful than an empowered nine. So I just want to say that making space for each other's wholeness, right? And if you are a nine, knowing that you're eight does have big energy, eights have the biggest energy on the entire scale so if you're a nine allowing that bigness loving that bigness letting all of that bigness into your life also understanding what is aggression versus passion with an eight i think could be really helpful for a nine because when an eight comes at you with all of their heart and all of their bigness if you are very, very conflict avoidant, it can feel like a lot to some people. So I think it could maybe also be helpful for a nine to clearly understand what the eight, what passion looks like for the eight and what actual anger and aggression looks like for an eight, right, because eights, their go-to is anger. They're like, this is my best friend, we're gonna go. And at a nine, they want to shove that anger down and they don't want to get in touch with it. So there's a lot of room for beautiful balance with the eight and nine relationship, but there's also just like any other pairing, room for a lot of awareness and intentionality and making sure you're both honoring each other fully, right? We want to respect and love eights and all their bigness. And we want to encourage them to live in their healthiest place. And a nine, we wanna respect and love their chillness and whoever they are and all of them in their healthiest space. So best of luck in that relationship. All right, as a nine, I love my best friend who is a one, but we argue a lot, any tips? So I would, I'm wondering, is it arguing? And maybe it is, right? This is the, I have no context to this. So at a high level, I'm wondering, Does the one feel like it's arguing or do only you feel like it's arguing? Again, is this a conflict or is it a potential just disagreement? I want to say that ones are very driven by a need to improve the world. And that can also sometimes look like improving other people. So I'm just sitting here wondering, is it argument or is there maybe the one in maybe an unaware space, giving you some advice that potentially you don't agree with, and maybe you don't feel comfortable pushing back and saying, you don't agree with that. If that's the case, I had to start my recording over. Um, if that's the case, it's going to require you to have a conversation. Right. If if you sit there and notice that maybe that's what this is, is the one giving you some advice, which ones they mean well, they mean well, it likely comes from a place of wanting to help. But I keep talking about when types are unaware and when our type might be in overdrive and that can look that that can be what that looks like for ones when their type structure is in overdrive, they can kind of overstep and give some unwarranted advice. It's typically really good advice, but they can overstep with an advice in in all effort only to help but when they're really unaware of themselves so now that's i'm not trying to say that you all aren't arguing i'm just offering a potential how i could maybe see that looking regardless of how it's actually happening you have to be honest with that friend you have to be honest with them and say hey however it feels best to you so please don't feel like i'm saying go say this but even if it's something as simple as hey I wanna have a conversation with you and I'm really uncomfortable. This feels like conflict, but this is really bothering me and I have to say something. It feels like we're arguing a lot. Here's why, here's how that makes me feel. Can we talk about that? That's all it has to be. Now I say, that's all it has to be. And I know that alone sounds like conflict to a nine, Um, but a one wants the best for you. They really, really do If This is your best friend. They want what's best for you. They want to honor you no matter their Enneagram type. It has nothing to do with them being a one or you being a nine. These are two people who care for each other and you deserve to go to your friend and say, Hey, I'm struggling a little bit in our relationship. Can we talk about it? That's all it has to be. It's an open conversation. I have done that with my friends. um, And I will say that every single time I send the text or I have the open in real life conversation with someone when it's a conversation I go to I go into it shaking I know that on the other side of that shaking conversation is going to be something really beautiful because I allowed myself to show up fully and I allowed all of myself to be honored and you fucking deserve that so I just encourage you no matter how you approach this no matter what you say to your best friend I hope that you honor yourself and know that while that conversation will be uncomfortable and it's likely not going to be an easy one for you you are fucking worth it and you can do it okay the next question says i'm a six and mostly identify with self-preservation but i have strong counterphobic tendencies how so or they just said how question mark so type sixes are such a fascinating type and I'm like shifting and moving around um, in all my ADHD fidgeting. So sorry if y'all can hear me like shifting around in my room. Um, so type sixes tend to live on this pendulum of either phobic or counterphobic. And what I mean by that. So type six is their core fear is fear itself. And can we just pause and really sit with how hard that must be? If you're not a six, even if you are a six, but really, if you're not a six, can you imagine the anxiety that would cause you if your fear, if your biggest fear in life was fear? We can't avoid fear. I mean, we can't avoid any of our core fears, honestly, but that's a huge one. Fear is there to help keep us safe in some ways. Fear, oh, it's just, I have so much compassion for the core of a six um, and they can be really conflicting because of that. So what you're probably experiencing here is a shift between phobic and counterphobic so what that looks like is type sixes tend to either fall within a phobic or a counterphobic Tendency, they can jump back and forth in between them. It doesn't. Again, the Enneagram is not here to put anyone in a box. So if someone says I'm a phobic six, it doesn't mean that they never experience counterphobic tendencies. Or if someone says I'm a counterphobic six, it doesn't mean that they don't ever experience the phobic side. And for people who don't know what those words mean, I'm about to explain. Um, so when you think of the core fear of six. The phobic tendencies are always going to be how can I avoid this core fear, which happens to be fear, right? How can I avoid this fear? So that's going to be running from it, avoiding it, hiding from it. The counterphobic tendencies are going to be running towards that fear. So almost in a place of, I'm going to get them before they can get me. So I have a really good friend who is um, a six and I, we were at Sam's and this man had been following us the whole time. Very creepy. Women, you know, the vibe when that happens. And I'm not a little person. I, I am five foot 10. I'm a big bitch. And I don't typically get very scared by men following me around, but my girlfriend is very tiny and petite and I was we were getting nervous. So we're walking out of Sam's. We've got our carts. He is following us through the parking lot. <laughs> we are almost to our car. And she looked at me and she said, you know what? Sometimes you got to look a motherfucker right in the eye. And she, she took our cart, flipped it around quickly, like a full 180. And she started charging towards him. I mean, charging, like walking very quickly and intentionally with the cart like she was moving with a purpose and <laughs> at a quick pace. And she just kept going towards him, looking him in the eye and I was like, where is she going? What is she doing? And he took off and she came back and I said, that was so brave of you. Um, and she was like, he wasn't going to get me. He was not going to get me today. That my friends is a counterphobic six. six. Um, That can also be why sixes, especially CP for counterphobic, that's especially why CP sixes can mistype as eights, because that charging towards fear behavior you might see can look like an eight behavior, but you don't know the why behind it, which is why we can never type other people, right? my type eight friend very well would have charged towards someone but the, her reasoning for charging behind someone and then a counterphobic six's reasoning behind charging towards someone are going to be two different things so that is how right and then a phobic six would have just kept running would have never looked back would have never looked that person in the eye would have done anything to keep themselves safe and hidden and out of danger anything to protect themselves so a phobic is going to be running from and a counterphobic is going to be running towards. Doesn't that sound really conflicting? Like that's, that's a lot in anyone in any given day. Like if you're a six, you could swing from either side of that. You could run from one person one day, see that same person the next day and charge towards them. It's really just where are you at in your levels of health? What makes you feel the safest in the moment? Okay. Next question three wing two, marry two and eight. How can I get along with my eight husband, but I anger other eights so easily. So I, I think the three and eight pairing is likely pretty common as well. These are both aggressive types and I do not mean aggressive in the traditional sense, I mean, aggressive in uh, three sevens and eights are in what we call the aggressive triad where they move towards people in order to get their needs met. So threes and eights, that's a powerhouse couple. That is a get shit done couple a get done couple. Um, so I will say a lot of eights I know are very triggered by threes because eights very similar to fours, very important to them that people stand in their truth. Eights are just living, walking, breathing bullshit detectors period. They really, really are. Um, fours have that superpower as well. Again, anyone can have the superpower. We're not tying it just to type, but I will say that that is, um, something that eights have, they are just a bullshit detector. And we were talking a little bit earlier about threes and identity. And because threes are so tied into being admired, they can kind of, when really unaware, they can be a chameleon and kind of shift who they are to meet what they are hoping right the needs are of the other people in order to gain that admiration or in order to be seen in whatever light it is they're wanting to be seen that's not going to work with an eight though that's not going to work with an eight so i would say that and again at a high level having no context here i don't know like I don't know who this person is i don't know who these people are i only know their type so that's very little information but i will say that image wise if you are not standing in your bold truth and who you are hates know that so i also want to say that eights anger can be very easily misplaced for passion um not trying to water down, whatever the situation might be here. And I'm not trying to say that they're not angry at you. They very well might be, but I also want to offer that oftentimes it's aggression or I'm sorry, it's passion can be really mistaken for anger or even aggression. Um, but I would feel like it's probably not going out on a limb too far to say that you could potentially be in a more like unaware, like if you're trying to win over an eight, that's not how it's going to work right with your partner you saw you said your husband is an 8 you un, you probably didn't win him over he actually saw you for who you were and who you are and when you are together you probably feel very safe to be your authentic self with your husband i would ask do you feel safe to be your authentic self with these other eights that you think uh, that you're saying that you are angering if not i would offer authenticity i would just kind of lean into that and see if there's a, a little room for a little bit more of that. Okay, next question is from a five, really loving all the fives participating. Thank you all. So from a five, how to address your needs are not a burden as a partner. Oh, I love this. I love this. Um, fives do tend to feel that their needs are a burden, similar to twos, just for two different reasons. I would say action. Right? Because if you just go to your partner, let's say, no, I'm not gonna pretend I know what their type is. Um like, I'm not sure if this was a five asking this question or if maybe this was someone asking this question about their partner, who is a five? Either way, my answer is the same type type really doesn't come into play here. I would say showing them with action. I know me, myself and I, I do feel like my needs can be a burden. And if someone just says to me, "Oh, Amy, your needs aren't a burden. I'm not gonna say, OK, great. Here's what here's what they are. Right. I be like, OK, that's bullshit. I've heard that my whole life. Time has proven otherwise. Actions have proven otherwise. I would say the way to address your needs are not a burden or by showing your partner that they're not a burden, whatever that might mean. Um, Is there something you can take off their plate? Is there something you've seen them struggling to do on their own? Is there a room for you to step in and just proactively do something And then I would say to then follow that up afterwards with the conversation. Hey, I just wanted to say that, not not to say like, oh, I did this for you, but hey, I just wanted to point out that I stepped in and did this and and I love doing it. Actually, it helped me feel closer to you and it felt really nice to give back to you in a way that you give to me, whatever it might be. I'm just trying to say that after you take something on after that action. I think it could be really lovely to take it a step further and have a conversation and kind of double down on, this wasn't a bother at all, I loved doing this and talking about it. And maybe even ask your partner, how did it feel when I took that on? And maybe they're gonna say, oh, it was really hard, but God, it was so nice to have you help, or God, I was so appreciative or whatever it might be. I think that an additional conversation beyond the action could really help increase that connection and potentially help that become a norm in the relationship. All right, next question, this is my favorite of all the questions. Thank you for asking this. This is I'm a nine wing eight with a high sex drive. And I have a partner who is a type nine. I'm sorry, I'm a nine wing eight with a high sex drive. My partner is a type eight with a low sex drive tips on navigating rejection feels so personal of Course it does. Where could rejection feel more personal than in the bedroom? I don't think anywhere. I think that that is probably the most, the hardest place to experience rejection or perceived rejection, especially from a nine, right? If you're putting yourself out there and you're saying, This is what I want, right? To say, This is what I want as a nine, that's not small. That's a big deal. So to say that, And then to feel rejected like that, like rubbed my heart whenever, whenever I read that, that would be incredibly hard. The first thing that came up for me when I read this question and I just want to be very honest is your partner doesn't have to have a high sex drive to please you. Now, I know that might not always be the answer here, but I do just want to offer that when we're talking about pleasure, um, does it always have to be a two-way street? Maybe there's opportunity for you to receive. Maybe there is more partnership. Maybe there's more room for that partner to give. Um, I also want to encourage, maybe not encourage, but offer. I recently read a book by Vanessa. I'm gonna butcher her last name, Marin or Marin. Um It's called Sex Talks. And on Instagram, let me pull her up real quick. I had her pulled up on instagram um her name is vanessa and Xander. so she's got a huge following They her and her husband she's a sex therapist and she just came out with a new york times bestseller called sex talks and in sex talks she talks about um different sexual desire um sexual different i'm sorry differing sexual desires within a partnership. So there's actually what is called spontaneous sexual desire. And then there is what is called responsive sexual desire. So if you're a spontaneous type, you feel the mental desire first and then the physical arousal afterwards. These are her words. If you're a responsive sexual desire type, you feel physical arousal first and then the mental desire second. So if you have a couple and they have differing sexual desires, well, yeah, that could be a huge disconnect. So her book talks about ways to address that. I'm going to say open conversation here always, always, always like, Hey, I know that. And right. You know, you can be straight up with your eight. You know, you can just lay it out how it needs to be said you don't have to sugarcoat it you can get right to the heart of the matter with that type 8 partner say hey and whatever it is right i know for me personally sex is a, a lot of times for me sex is about connection so in my conversation with my husband and past partners whenever i'm talking about sex it's typically i feel close to you when or this makes me feel connected to you and that's why this is important to me Maybe there's room for a conversation like that with your partner around how it makes you feel when there is a disconnect in your sex life, right? I don't feel as close to you, or I don't feel X, Y, Z, or I do feel X, Y, Z when we're disconnected like this. Here's the reasons that I love being with you how can we knowing that we might both have um differing sexual desire responses how can we come together and find a solution here um i hope that's helpful i am not a sex therapist and want to be very mindful to not give like advice like a therapist would or anything like that which a therapist wouldn't give advice so but i would definitely look into sex talks i also have a couple a free sex challenge um i call it a sex and intimacy challenge and i'll link that in the show notes here uh so it's going to be it's all together so you get both but one is for uncoupled humans so if you're not in a relationship it's a 30-day um challenge how really how to connect with yourself more closely and the great thing about that is the uncoupled one it's great for you even if you're in a relationship because you can do that for just you and then the other side is for coupled humans so it's 30 days of ways to connect around um, intimacy in the bedroom some intimacy outside of the bedroom and it's free so maybe another thing you could do is say hey my my friend, Amy, she's got this podcast that I love so much. I found this 30 day sex challenge and I wanted to know what you thought about us doing this together. And maybe that could be a fun way to kind of re spark things in the bedroom. Um, and kind of get that going again, but happy to talk about this in my DMS as well. I love this conversation. All right. Three more two and eight dealing with feelings and conflicts in relationship. Yep. Yep, that sums it up, right? (laughs) Two is with the feelings, eight is with the conflict. That sums it up. So I will say that two and eight is a really, really, can be a really beautiful pairing. All the things I said about the eight and nine relationship are pretty much going to apply to the two and eight. The only real big difference here is that the The nine is a body type twos are a heart type. So you're going to have a really emotional type with it or a pretty emotional, um, human on the two side, likely to be an emotional human on the two side. And then you're going to have the body type and the dooming type with the eight. So similarly to the eight and nine conversation, the eight can really empower the two right, to really use their voice, to learn to say no, to speak up for themselves. The two can offer the eight when they're wanting it. Of course, we never want to shove anything down anyone's throat. If an eight really wanted to lean into vulnerability, into their emotions, into their very soft gooey centers, because if y'all don't know, I know eights don't want me out here telling the world their secret. They're very soft and gooey on the inside. They're just big softies walking around with these really tough bodies of armor. so that two comes in and I think can really hit eight hard in that, in that heart space, because that's really who they are at their core, really who they are at their core. Um, I wanna say to a two in a relationship with an eight, when you say dealing with conflict and feelings, you have got to be willing to meet an eight where they are. Um, now everyone needs to be able to, kind of compromise and help meet someone where they are. So I don't mean to say everyone just get up to speed with where eights are. But as a two, you need to know that eights talk style, it's no bullshit, it's to the point. They don't need all the fluff and all the sugar coating that comes around it. Now you do. So maybe you might need that from your eight, right? Hey, I might need you to soften your approach with me just a little bit if you want me to hear you. Now, if you want the eight to hear you, you might need to assert yourself more, right? You're gonna have very different talk styles. The way you two hear each other, understand each other, and communicate with each other is completely different. So it's really, I shouldn't have said you need to meet the eight where they are, you need to meet each other where you are in the middle as far as your communication styles go. Um, That eight, because they are gonna be confident and they are gonna be assertive, they are gonna be bold, that kind of personality, if you let it can kind of walk all over someone and I want to be very, very clear that I'm not saying eights are just out here walking all over people. But if you have someone who is bold and confident and forward and let's get shit done. But then you have someone who's a people pleaser, and they're not sure and they might say yes, and they might go along to get along. Whose personality do you think is going to kind of come out into the front a little bit more. It's going to be that bigger personality is all I'm saying. So type two, man, we as a people, we got to learn to lean into her eightness a little bit more. It is good for us to lean into the high side of eight. There's so much fucking beauty for that. Now eights, it also does y'all a lot of good to lean into the high side of two. So there can be the world's most beautiful fucking balance between a two and an eight. I am a hundred percent biased and this is my favorite pairing. Um, But just like any other relationship, regardless of type, you've got to be hyper aware and vigilant of your individual patterns and each other's patterns. All right, two more, two more (sighs) from a type five, how to reconcile with an eight who suddenly and inexplicably cut me out of their life. That's hard. So eight's core fear is betrayal. And so earlier when I was talking about counterphobic sixes, where I, where they might say, I'm going to get you before you can get me eights can really, they can have a childhood wound of abandonment or a lifelong wound of abandonment And where, I mean, what could feel like a bigger betrayal in your life than being abandoned. Oh, it gave me goosebumps just saying that. So an eight can bounce before they're abandoned. They might literally say, I am going to leave you before you leave me. That very well could be the case. Um, I also want to say the five and eight, I wonder if you were accessible enough for that eight. I wonder if they maybe, needed more from you than you were willing or, you know, able to give them. Um, I know that eights are very, very selective on who they let in. Most eights I know will tell me they have less than five very, very, very close friends in their life. And that's by design. So I'm wondering if maybe they kind of started to let you in and felt like they couldn't get close enough with you, or maybe they weren't able to trust you. Maybe they thought they couldn't trust you because they couldn't get to know you deeply enough. If maybe there was some, right. I know fives can be very private. So, right. I'm just talking about a lot of patterns here. You hear the pattern of fives wanting to be private, the patterns of eights wanting to deeply protect themselves at all costs. And I think that those two things could easily bump up against one another. Again, I'm spitballing here. I have zero context to go off of. So this could be anything. I will say five and eights, your communication styles are pretty similar um, in that it's the no bullshit. You want to get down to the heart of it. Neither of you are really going to sugarcoat things with each other. I would say you can absolutely go straight to that eight and ask them. And maybe you have already, and that's why you're asking on here. But I just want to offer that eights can abandon others before they get an abandoned in, a, in a, um effort to protect themselves. So there's potential. That's what's happening here. <laughs> okay. I saved the best question for laughs because lots of eight questions here. So <laughs> this says eight wing seven, how the fuck do I win friends and influence people? I just love y'all. I love eight. How the fuck do I win friends? Listen, when that is your vibe, when that is your energy, it's going to be a selective kind of people you call in, right? Ah, oh, I just I imagine it's probably a little difficult because you all do have such good bullshit detectors. So that's probably going to really narrow the field of people you want in your lives because you can see through the bullshit and you're like, well, fuck. I thought there was potential, but nope. Saw right through it. (laughs) Right? So I would think that it can probably be maybe extra challenging for an eight to quote unquote, win friends. You're not going to win anyone over, but I know what you mean um, to make friends because it's really important to eights to one thoroughly. So my best friend told me once she's an eight wing seven. um, She said that once someone has gone through the rigorous checks, of being able to be let into her heart fully. She was like, then there's really no boundaries because you've passed all the checks. We don't need boundaries here. Um, so all of that to just say that you all tend to be very, very selective about the people you let in. And because of that, there's probably not going to be many. And that is probably both a blessing and a curse, right? Cause you know, you're not gonna be surrounded by bullshit. But you also are probably not going to be surrounded by a ton of people. Now you ask, how do I influence people? And the way I influence people is going to be very different than the way you do. Um, it's really influence based off of empowerment, right? How can you lift others up? And I just, I want to say to anyone, especially to eights, I don't ever want to see an eight. I don't want to see anyone do this, but I am talking to eights right here talking to eights, specifically talking to eights who are women, even more specifically talking to eights who are women who are black or a, a woman of or a person of color. Please don't make yourself smaller. Please, please, please don't make yourself smaller. I know that the internal messaging or even external messaging for female eights their whole lives can be you're too much to take up too much space. You're too bold. You're too assertive. All of that too muchness is someone else's just fucking enoughness the eights in my life i'm like take up all the room please lead the way show us how it's done be you be bold don't give a fuck whose feelings you hurt don't give a fuck who doesn't want to be in your life that's so beautiful to me and also that also is likely not going to be calling in the masses to be friends with you but on the flip end of that eights don't want the masses to be their friends So I feel like at this point, I'm just talking in circles around this question. Um, My advice to people is always be yourself, always be yourself. Your true self is going to call in your true people, period. And if that means it might take a little bit longer, if that means you have less friends in your life, it's very easy for me to say, so be it, but so be it. I would much rather someone come to me and say, God, I've got two really close friends and I wish I had more. I would much rather that versus, God, I have 36 acquaintances in my life and I don't know how to get rid of them because that's me on the opposite end of that. So I know it's a struggle just being a person, but you keep being your big, bold, beautiful self and the right fucking people will be attracted to that. I promise. I am very much a fan of yours. So that is all the questions. Thanks for coming to the first episode of Ask Amy. I'm going to put a little poll down below. I would love to hear feedback. Did you all find this helpful? Did you find this to be a bunch of bullshit? Is this something you would like to uh, like me to continue doing? Until next time, friends.